0: Welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we're going to talk about the topic, why the word should is a very dangerous word. It's a word we use so often, and we don't even really think much about it. But yet, it dictates a lot of how we feel, um, our actions, our behaviors, how we how we see ourselves. And when you think about it and you break it down, it really does end up being a word that we need to think carefully and choose carefully when we use it. A couple years ago, gosh, I don't know. Maybe the girls were little. This had to have been maybe close to to ten years ago. Well, the girls were ten, so maybe about five, seven years ago. I know the timeline doesn't matter. It's just me trying to figure it out while I talk to you. Anyway, I was in a tough spot. I just I was unhappy. I was upset. I had all these expectations of myself and what I thought it looks like to be a mom and a wife and um, owning a business. And I just felt like there were so many things expected of me and I was falling short do you ever feel that way sometimes that you're just falling short in all the areas not just one area all of them and so at the time um my one friend said that you should go see a life coach maybe they can help you and i was like oh i don't even know what a life coach does but sure and i knew of this lady and um, I love this lady, Um, I knew this lady that did some life coaching on the side. And so I called her up, and I was like, "Listen, I don't know what a life coach does, but I think I need your help." And so we agreed to meet for lunch, and um, she's we sat down, and she's like, "Okay, so tell me what's going on." And I proceeded to tell her all the things that I wasn't doing. And you know, I feel like this is failing, and I should be doing this, and and then on this side over here with my with work, I feel guilty for not being with the kids, and I should be I should be more engaged at work, and I should be doing this, and and around and around it went. By by the end of my like ten minute spiel, I was crying. I had like trying to wipe all the snot off my face with my cloth napkin. Um, I was a mess. <laughs> I didn't even realize I had all that inside of me. Uh, I had no intention of crying. I was in a restaurant and I just lost it. (laughs) And she said to me, she's like, okay, first of all, take a breath. And then she said to me, do you realize that you said the the word should probably like 500 times in your speech? And I had no clue. I even said that word. And she's like, you've got to be really careful with that word should. Because it's, you're setting up all these expectations for yourself. And I don't even know if those expectations are realistic. And so my only homework assignment from that meeting with the life coach was, you are not allowed to use the word should. You could replace it with the word could, or I would like to. But you're not allowed to say the word should. And that was hard. (laughs) That was not an easy homework assignment because I realized I was saying the word should for everything. I should be a better mom. I should be more engaged at work. I should be able to get all this stuff done. I should be able to look a certain way. I should be able to exercise. I should be able to read my Bible. And there were a lot of shoulds going on and my head was spinning. And instead of making me feel better, I was feeling a lot worse. I was feeling overwhelmed. And it was almost to the point where it was paralyzing to the point where I wasn't able to do anything because I had this whole big story up in my head of what I should be doing, but I wasn't. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Have you ever, have you ever found yourself in that spot? Do you say the word should? How often do you say it? And in what, in what um, situation do you say it? Is it with family life? Is it with work? Is it with taking care of your health? I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I hear the word should in my office when I'm meeting with people. I should be exercising more. I should be eating more vegetables. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. It's like they sit down and honest to God, sometimes it feels like people are in confessional. (laughs) They sit down and they're just like dump everything that they should be doing, but they're not. I should be doing this. I should be doing that, but I didn't do it. That's not what you're doing when you come to see a dietitian. It is not confessional time. It's a time to explore your habits and come up with new ways of trying to do things. It's, it's not confessional. So for those of you who have never seen a dietitian before, um, <laughs> it just makes me laugh because that, that's not what it's about. But I can see why it feels that way. They feel like they have to be honest, and but they just dump it all out. And, you know, it always makes me smile. So let's talk about expectations. I was doing some research on this topic and they said expectations are premeditated resentments. How about that one? Expectations are premeditated resentments. That's kind of spot on, right? We're setting ourselves up to be resentful of ourselves, right? We have this natural tendency to put our hopes of happiness on fulfilled expectations. We think that once we get this done, like once I look a certain way, once I I take care of my health, once I exercise, once I've arrived, then I will be happy. But what's really interesting is it often leads to disappointment. All right. I think a lot of us use the word should Because we think it's going to motivate us. We think it's going to keep us in check. But really what it does is it's actually expressing frustration, guilt, and regret. It actually doesn't help you get done the things you want to do. It just makes you feel bad. How many times have you used the word should and you felt better because of it? I think the reason is... It's because when we use the word should, we stop our sentence short. When we say, I should work out, the part we're leaving out at the end of the sentence is, but I'm not. And we're admitting all of our our shortcomings, and that doesn't feel good. So what we think is motivating us. I should exercise. I should eat more vegetables. I should do this. It's actually taking you further away from the goal, guys. I've shared this story with you probably a couple times at this point, but I feel like it's just such a, a good illustration of what's going on. So you guys know I played tennis in college, and there was this um, game that I was or match I was playing, and. I just wasn't doing well. It was just one of those days where everything was going wide, everything was going long. Uh, I was so frustrated. Uh, You can't throw your racket in tennis. They frown upon that. So I just whacked myself in the leg with my racket because I was just so frustrated with how I was performing. It was not how I wanted to play that day. And of course, it hurt. Gosh, it did hurt my leg when I whacked myself with the racket. And all of a sudden, I had this very, very bad idea. Um, But I had this idea that when I miss a shot, I'm going to hit myself in the leg because that negative consequence will motivate me to do better because who wants to hit themselves in the leg? So I'm playing the match. If I miss a shot, I hit myself in the leg. And I'm realizing as the match is going on, I'm doing worse. I'm actually missing more shots. If you know anything about tennis, it's all about footwork. You've got to get yourself in position, get your feet in alignment, get your racket back and hit the ball. The problem was I wasn't getting my feet in position because I was slow to the ball. And the reason I was slow to the ball was because I was limping because my leg hurt. (laughs) Who does this stuff? Me, me. I do this stuff so I can teach you. But what I thought was gonna be so motivating to me and was going to spur me into taking more action was actually the thing that was taking me further away. I was limping to the ball. I wasn't getting in position. I was hitting more balls out. For so many of us, when it comes to our diet, we've been doing the same thing over and over and over again. And we're so frustrated when we don't get results. And I think part of this is, is because, yes, we're addressing the food and the exercise piece, which is absolutely important, but we're not addressing the mindset piece that we so desperately need to address and challenge. If our thoughts are truly what create our behaviors, then we need to make sure that we're in the right mindset and we think about things in a healthy, constructive, positive way. And shoulding yourself, creating all these shoulds and expectations that just lead to resentment, that just lead to paralysis, that lead to inaction, it's not helpful. It's taking you away from the goal. The problems with using the word should is partly you're just, you're not accepting reality. You're speaking of what you wish was happening, which doesn't help you accept where you're at now. I was reading on, um, I was doing, again, more research, and I found this article by um, Dr. Sophia Mort. And, you know, it's interesting. She said, the word should is used to indicate obligation, duty, and it's typically used when criticizing someone's actions. So using the word should is actually an active form of self-criticism. Think about criticism that leads to anxiety, stress. And when you're anxious, it shuts down your brain's ability to problem solve. It shuts down your brain's ability to maintain attention to a new task. A lot of us were trying to create new behaviors, new habits. And if we're anxious, our brain can't focus on the new habit and it usually causes us to fall back into our old habits. Self-criticism can lead to rebellion. All of these things are not helpful, (laughs) right? They're not helpful. Sometimes when we use the word should, we've realized that what we think we should do doesn't really align with what we actually want. That's a really interesting thing to think about. I mean, so many people will come into my office and say, I should be eating more vegetables. And sometimes I'll ask them, do you want to eat more vegetables? And they look at me like, is that even an option to want to do something? I thought it's just, I have to do this. I should be doing this. I'm like, well, if you don't want to do it, what are the chances you're actually going to follow through with it? Sometimes our shoulds are based on a reality that doesn't exist. You know, one of the questions I ask people, if they come into me for weight management, um, one of the questions that I ask them is, what was your um, lowest adult weight and your highest adult weight? And then I follow up with a question, what do you think is a healthy weight for you? You know, what's really interesting is how many people will tell me maybe my lowest adult weight was 150. My highest adult weight was 180. What do I think? What do I think is a healthy weight for me? What do I think I should weigh? 120. I'm like, what? (laughs) Again, there's no judgment. Um, And I don't, I hope I don't make a face when people say that, but their expectation, they've never weighed that low in their entire life. But they think they should weigh that because, because what? Because society says they should weigh that. A magazine says they should weigh that. Half the things that we want in terms of a weight status doesn't even exist. You know, we do realize that models are airbrushed and pictures are photoshopped and filtered. We do realize that models, the people that we would... Um, view as the most beautiful people in the world are airbrushed, even they aren't unadulterated or uh, uh, they're not changed or like I said, photoshopped or any of that stuff. So we have to be really careful of our shoulds. Number one, is it even realistic? Number two, is it's in alignment with what we want to what we want to accomplish and and who we want to be. Um, and we have to be careful of how critical we are being of ourselves. And if we're actually getting ourselves closer to the goal or further away. And so today's episode, I just want this to be some food for thought, right? I want you to start to, to be aware. Number one, how often do you use the word should? Is that part of your everyday language? And then if you do use the word should, then you can question why do you think you should do that thing, right? Why? Because you want to do it or because somebody else thinks you should do it, right? When you use that word should and you start to question why do I feel this way or why do I think this way, you can also ask how does it make me feel, is it in alignment with my beliefs and my values? Does it does it motivate me or does it make me feel like crap? Do I put my head down? Am I in confessional? Do I feel like a bad person? Right? You know the thoughts that energize you and charge you and the ones that make you feel, feel make you feel bad. There's a difference. I remember reading a book one time and they're like, when you have a decision to make, you know, and you're trying to come up with a solution, does it spur you into action? Do you feel all motivated or do you're like, ugh, all right, got to do it. And you look at it with dread. Sometimes your body will tell you what you want to do, right? If you've been using the word should in the past, right? How, how long have you been saying, I should exercise, If you've been saying that for 10 years, I think your track record shows that it didn't really motivate you to exercise. I should be eating more vegetables. Saying the word should didn't really get you there, right? If you use the word should, does it help or hurt you achieving your goal, right? And then maybe you substitute the word could like I said, the, the life coach that I saw many years ago. Not allowed to say the word should, but you say, I could do this. That gives you, puts you back in the driver's seat because now you have a choice. You could say, I'd like to do this, but it's okay if I don't. And it's just a much more gentle approach. One that shows self-respect, um, self-acceptance for where you're at in the moment. And that just feels better. Remember, things like kindness and grace, they're motivating things. Shame, blame, guilt, expectations, resentment. They take you away from the goal. Remember the story of the tennis racket. Is it taking you closer or is it taking you away? If you feel, if it's not making you feel good, then we need a new sentence. We can't just keep using the word should and, you know, pounding us deeper and deeper into the ground and wondering why we're not motivated to do the work we want to do. All right. So I have a couple, a couple more tips for you. All right. Um, this is actually, I can't take credit for this. This is by Hannah Brain. She comes up with these alternatives to should. All right. So I'll give you, I'll give you three of them things that you can do. So instead of telling yourself, I should focus on the why you want to do that thing. Okay. So here's an example. Instead of saying, I should do more yoga. I want you to think about, well, what is it about yoga that you like? Why do you want to choose yoga? And so the new sentence could be, you know, I have more energy in my day when I do yoga. I should do yoga. When I do yoga, I have more energy. One is defeating. One is hopeful. Right? Maybe it's, um, I can manage my stress better when I take time for yoga. Yeah, that feels good. Maybe I'll choose that. Number two, you can focus on how that activity fits in with your values. Um, So an example of this would be... I should, I should be on time. I should do, I should get to my appointments on time, right? When you're saying I should, I should do this, but I don't. So think about your values. Like it's really important to me to be on time. That's a much more encouraging sentence than the hopeless one of I should, but I don't. And then finally, number three, focus on accepting and exploring reality. This is one that that I'm trying to work on right now, Um, because I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I am doing some journal work right now on the fruits of the spirit, things like gentleness and patience and kindness. Um, This is something that I really want to work on. Notice I say, I should be more gentle. I should be more kind. That was my sentence a couple weeks ago. And then I realized, okay, this is things that I'd like to work on. All right, because it fits in my values. But focus on accepting and exploring your reality. So instead of saying, I shouldn't be angry. For me, it's like, I shouldn't yell at my kids. (laughs) The exploring the reality, the new sentence would be, okay, I am feeling angry. Why is that happening right now? And it takes that sentence from a sentence of judgment to a sentence of curiosity. And when you are curious, you can come up with answers. But remember, when you're feeling bad about yourself, remember we talked about that earlier, when you're in that stage of self-criticism, and now you're all anxious and stressed out, remember how that shuts down your brain's ability to problem solve? You're never going to get to the root of the problem. Right? My, my one friend, I was struggling with something a couple weeks ago. And she's like, you just need to cry. And she's like, you need to get it all out. Because when you get all your emotions out and you put it on the table, then you're able to actually come up with constructive solutions. But when you're constantly holding it all in and trying to keep it together and everything's just swirling around your brain, it all gets very confusing. So curiosity is a really good place to start. I do that with my clients all the time. When we look at our day, right? I always tell them, you need to assess, not judge. Judge is putting moral value on what you've done and and criticizing it. Assessment is curiosity. What did go really well? What, you know, threw me for a loop today? What do I want to do different tomorrow? Right? It allows you to dream bigger and explore, what else can I do? That's where we want to come from, from a place like that. <clears throat> it is important to note, the longer you tell yourself you should do something without actually doing the thing, the more guilt and shame you create. So I want you, again, to explore. First of all, do you use the word should? How often are you using the word should? Should? How often have you used the word should? And let's look at doing this a different way. All these little mindset shifts really do end up creating a really beautiful space for you to take action and follow through with your goals. But we got to do a little bit of this work up front. And just this one tweak, just changing your vocabulary can really lead to a lot of great results. All right. So that is your lesson for the day. Um, let's get to your recipe. So I found this recipe out of the book, the complete Mediterranean cookbook. I believe that was where your recipe was from last week, but I just really enjoy it. Um, a lot of great ideas in here. So this is an orzo salad with arugula and sun dried tomatoes. Um, we're coming up, I guess, This episode's airing in March, I believe. Um, And it's going to be springtime with spring vegetables, and salad greens are a great spring vegetable to grow. Um, All your lettuces, usually leaves and roots, are what we want to grow in the spring. Um, So I thought this would be a great idea. So for this recipe, you're going to need one and a quarter cups of orzo, a quarter cup of olive oil, three tablespoons of balsamic vinegar. Two garlic cloves, minced. Two cups of baby arugula, chopped. Half a cup of Parmesan cheese, grated. A half a cup of sun-dried tomatoes, and you want to mince them up small. Half a cup of pitted Kalamata olives, halved. For those of you that know me, I would omit that. <laughs> uh, half a cup of chopped fresh basil, and a quarter cup of toasted pine nuts. And to toast the pine nuts, all you want to do is put um, the pine nuts in a dry pan over some low heat, and you just want to keep shuffling the pan around until they get that really nice, beautiful brown on the outside. <laughs> My daughter Bella, when she was younger, um, she would always call her brown crayon perfect brown. or like, perfect brown? What is perfect brown? Of all the colors, brown I would not say is perfect, but to her it was. So, So toast those pine nuts to a perfect brown. All right, so what you're gonna do is you're gonna bring um, some water in a pot to a boil. Go ahead, add your orzo in there and cook until al dente. So usually orzo cooks pretty quickly, like five to seven minutes or seven to nine. I forget off the top of my head, but you wanna keep it on the shorter end of it. Whatever the lower number is, if it's five to seven, cook it for five minutes. After that, drain the orzo, put it through a colander, and then throw it on a rimmed baking sheet, okay? And the reason we're doing this is just so it cools really quickly. And you can toss that with a tablespoon of the olive oil and just, like I said, set it on that sheet pan and let it cool for about 15 minutes. Next, we're gonna make like our vinaigrette. We're gonna whisk three tablespoons of olive oil together, the vinegar, garlic, half a teaspoon of salt, half a teaspoon of pepper together in a bowl. Then we're going to add arugula, the Parmesan cheese, the tomatoes, olives, basil, pine nuts, and orzo, and gently toss to combine. You may need a little bit of salt and pepper to taste. I don't think you will. Um, And then you just let that salad sit for about 30 minutes because you want all those flavors to um, melt together. And then you're going to serve. And that's it. You know how much I love recipes where you dump it all in one bowl. And this salad can be refrigerated for up to two days. All right, guys. That is your episode for the day. Thank you so much for listening as always. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Bodymetrics Health. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.